the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new episode of Oral Sessions. God, I feel like I've... Have I started an episode saying ladies and gentlemen? Because that was like my thing that I said on TV for a very long time. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my guest at this time. Blah, 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 blah. Any hoodles, I don't know. It just felt right in this moment. So I did it. Here we are. All right, guys, we've got a new episode today. I'm super excited for this conversation. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. Today, I am joined by none other than Surat Tan. He is um, one of the head costume designers at WWE. He makes the gear for all of your favorite WWE superstars. Um, Notably, of course, his wife, Sasha Banks. Seth Rollins, Ronda Rousey. He's worked with Stephanie McMahon, Triple H. I mean, you name it. This man has made their gear. He is an absolute badass, a whiz when it comes to coming up with clever designs and this creativity that just flows out of him. And I think that's something you really hear in this episode. I mean, we talk obviously about him designing gear and how that all kind of comes together, what efforts need to be put into that, what kind of collaborations he works on, all of that, to then just even talking about Food. He's a huge foodie, much like myself. So when I was at WWE, I would spend a lot of time just hanging out with Surratt, talking about food that we've been cooking and sending each other recipes and showing each other things that we've been working on throughout the week. So he's just an outstanding dude. And on top of all of this, this is very, very cool. He has a brand new shoe that is dropping on April 27th. He has partnered up with Diodora with Champ Sports, Foot Locker, and Foot Action. Um, So this is a brand new sneaker. All proceeds are being donated to Autism Research and Support. Uh, This month, the month of April, is Autism Acceptance Month and Autism Awareness. So it's really, really cool. The shoe looks spectacular. He breaks down everything that he put into putting the shoe together of just like the personality and reflectiveness and the puzzle pieces you guys can follow him on his Instagram as well, which is at I am Mikazi, I A M M I K A Z E. Give him a follow because he's got all of the information there about the sneaker, and you can just follow his journeys because it's fascinating. He's such a great dude, and this is a fun conversation. I loved getting to have him on the show and hang out. He's actually got his own podcast that he's working on that he's just about to launch called Ninjas and Knuckleheads. So you guys can keep an eye out for that as well. So without further ado, let's get into it. Here is my man, Surat. So if you see this mic, it's, I have this whole like podcast set up and this is literally my first time using it because I was actually getting ready to like, I'm going to film my first podcast later today, something quick just to see, but like right now I'm set up on my couch and I don't know if I like sitting on the couch. I might actually like set up some chairs. You've got to like get the vibe right. Yeah. You've really got to like tinker with it. What is the podcast? Cause I saw you tweeting about this. So the name of the podcast is the Ninjas and Knuckleheads podcast. That is a good name for you, though. I feel like that name works for you. Yeah. Well, so the idea behind the name is it's a uh, it's just a metaphor for novices and experts. You know, sometimes you're a ninja at something. Sometimes you're a knucklehead at something. Got it. And so, like, I just want to talk to people about their creative process because I'm just a, I'm a creative mind. So I just want to talk to creative people about their creative process. 
I listen to Dak Shepard's podcast a lot and his it's called the armchair expert and like same kind of thing of like, I know a lot about things, but then they do like a fact check at the very end where they can like break down like, Hey, I was actually wrong about this. Or maybe I got this thing wrong or they elaborate on one other thing. But, Oh, I like that. Who are you going to have on for guests? One person I'm going to talk to is Abdul Malik. He's a Saudi Arabian. He's actually a guy that does like a lot of the graphic arts for like Jericho and stuff like that. Oh, wow. He did me a favor and he actually designed the logo for the podcast. And um, I talked to my friend EJ, who's a like a local movie critic. So for me, I just want to see how different people approach whatever they do, whatever their passion is creatively. I love that because that was actually something like when I first started doing this show, I was like, I just want to have conversations with interesting people. And yeah, whether you're like, an expert rock collector, or you are a scientist, or you're a doula, whatever, like all of these different walks of life. I mean, I have been sticking very much so to the wrestling space as we're kind of growing and figuring things out, but even expanding into UFC, we just had on an NHL player, having you on is really great. Like I, it's, it's, I love just having on interesting people and having like a hell of a chat. Yeah. Like I'm one of those people that like on those, when we, well, when we were traveling and we had those like four hour road trips, like I'm the guy that like would probably be talking the entire time. I just like having conversations. That's just who I am. So I just wanted to talk to anybody that I thought was interesting. Even if I didn't think you're interesting, even if, I think, even if your point of view is completely opposite of mine, I'll listen to you. Yeah. I like that too. Is like having on different points of view. It doesn't always have to be like like-minded people. You can just have conversations with people from different walks of life and figure it all out. Yeah. As long as you're an adult and you can be civil, we'll, we'll be fine. Yeah. Let's just not have it on Twitter. Cause that's where shit truly hits the fan. But if you have it face to face, I feel like it always, I shouldn't say always, but generally goes better. When it gets passionate and you're face to face, that's where the clips start. That's where the fun starts. So I feel like this is my, uh, my, my test run with all this stuff. So yeah, listen, we're, we're getting baby up and running. (laughs) I feel like you would already have a great setup because you, you are the inaugural up, up, down, down champion. Are you not? Yes, 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 I am. Uh, (laughs) Hold very near and dear to my heart. Uh, I bring it up to Kofi at least once a year. Once a year. I mean, you got to hit him with that more than that. You got to remind his ass. So whenever I talk to Kofi, we usually talk about sneakers. And like, we haven't had a chance to sit down and like play video games together in a while, just because, you know, like at the last arena when we were in uh, St. Pete, we had the N64 set up. So me, him and Woods were playing like, you know, wrestling on there, but we just haven't had a chance to really sit down and actually go at it in video games. So it's not as fresh in my memory, but if you look at my Twitter, it's pinned at the top of the video. Oh, good. It's pinned up I used to always get stressed when like Woods would come up to me at TV and be like, hey, uh, you want to come hop on, do something up, up, down, down? So Rob brought in some like crazy candy and different like snacks for like the loser. I'm like, all right, I'm down. Like I'm always down to try whatever, but we're okay. So you would bring in candies, snacks, different things that were like, I have a, so one of my drawers at work where I keep all my fabrics, one of them is dedicated to just punishment materials. I have like Carolina Reaper gumballs. Death nuts. Uh, I have a whole box full of the one chip challenges. Oh my god! I remember one time I got the the death nut challenge, and like it's five levels of nuts. Every level goes higher and higher. And I played uh, Jack in UFC, and I lost every round. This was in um, Manchester, New Hampshire. 
And I swear, I thought I was going to die in the bathroom. Like I was doubled over in on the floor in the bathroom. And everybody was like, I think, I think something's wrong. We might have to call someone. I came out of the bathroom like a half hour later, pouring sweat, just covered. And everybody just looked at me. I'm like, like worst, worst feeling ever. I would take you for like a cast iron skillet belly. Like I feel like nothing would affect you. I feel the pepper pretty early. It just doesn't deter me from. Yeah, it doesn't stop you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know it's going to hurt, but whatever, let's go. So that was the worst one that's affected you. What is the worst one that's affected somebody else that you've given them? Cause I remember Becky and I playing with you. Yeah. And she just ate everything. Yeah, like it was, yeah, nothing. it was not phasing her at all. I know Lindsay has lost a couple of like the, uh, the hot challenges with me where I like, he lost with me. So we had to do like the devil's toe. What's that? It's like a lollipop, like a Carolina Reaper lollipop. We had to keep it in our mouth for five minutes. And after I had yogurt all over my lips after trying to cool it down, it was horrible. <laughs> um, okay. So you mentioned talking to Kofi about sneakers. So let's talk about your shoe, dude, you have a shoe. This is amazing. Give me the whole rundown because the whole thing's fascinating to me. I mean, I've been following it on your social media, waiting for the big launch. It's all happening like right now. I actually got the go ahead to, you know, unveil the launch date. So it's actually releasing super limited quantities next week, April 27th. Hell yes. I did it in conjunction with Foot Locker, Foot Action, Champ Sports, and Diodora. The model is the Diodora N9002. Basically, it's to help bring awareness to autism. Essentially with the design, what I tried to do is I tried to bring forth two sides of a personality. So if you look at the front, it's kind of a black and white motif. Can you hold it up a little bit higher? There we go. Perfect. I keep looking at you and not my screen. So I have <laughs> But yeah, it's got a black and white motif. So you can pretty much wear it with whatever you want. But then on the back, it's, you know, has the, the multicolored puzzle pieces and it's black, yellow, a little more lively. And that represents like the, the exciting part of a person's personality. And uh, one of my favorite elements of this is if you can see on the, the toe box, uh, you see the white leather is actually embossed with puzzle pieces. And because we did that, you know, they embossed the leather and then they cut it out. No two shoes are alike. So essentially every single shoe is a one of one. Wow. To me, that represents, you know, the cause really well because, you know, every person with autism, every person in general is so unique that like, yeah, that's what the shoe represents. It's very unique. Inside on the insole, I put a footprint. You're walking in somebody's shoes. Yeah. I, when I was designing this, I thought of my brother-in-law, Joshua, a lot because Joshua's autistic. And he is a good kid. Like He's awesome. And so like one of the things I did was um, whenever he puts his shoes on, he never unties them. He always keeps them tied and just tries to slide them in. So I ended up changing the fabrics to a mesh and neoprene. It'll make it easier for someone like him to throw the shoe on. So to have a project like this brought to you, I mean, how does that whole collaboration work? What, how, like, what is the timeline on putting together a shoe and kind of etching everything out? They brought this to my attention probably around like November. They gave me a schematic of what the shoe was going to look like. And I just went through, I selected the materials, I selected the design elements and all these different things. They sent it out to this company called Garrickson out of um, Philly. And they created the mock-up or their prototype, sent that to me. I had to approve all the different things, change whatever I needed to change. And then it goes back to them. And once it gets all of approval, it takes about like two or three months to go into manufacturing. What does limited quantity mean? How many pairs? Do we know a number? So right now it's going to be probably about 200 pairs. Is it going to be one of those annoying things everyone's like posting online of like, 
couldn't get these. Everything sells out so quick, like bidding more stuff. I hope not. But at the same time, I kind of hope so, because if there is that rabid, you know, uh, tendency to want to get at your hands on a pair, that's just going to show that something like this is able to go to scale next time. We can make it bigger. Like we can do maybe 2000 shoes next time, 20, I don't know the sizing, but like they're going to be available April 27th at footlocker.com, footaction.com and champsports.com. There's actually also not just the shoes, but I designed a t-shirt to go with it. Leave it to Surratt to give everybody a whole damn outfit. Yeah, essentially it's a painter painting the puzzle pieces on the wall. And the whole idea is he's just, he's spreading the message. That's it. And if we can just spread the message and talk to each other, then maybe we can be in a, in a better place. Do people buy the shirt separately or do they come with the shoes? Uh, I believe they're going to be sold separately. So if, you know, for those who maybe don't can't get their hands on a pair of shoes, maybe they can also you know, grab up a shirt. 100% of the proceeds are going to Autism Speaks. No one's taking any money on this. This is literally just to help spread the message. It would be hope that if this project goes well, next year we do something even bigger. When I see this shoe on someone's feet, like I want it to be a conversation starter. I want someone to be walking saying, oh, that's an autism shoe. What's your connection with autism? And it just starts a conversation. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, between seeing what you're doing with the shoe, is this, are you working in conjunction with the same, with the shoe that Ron Funches is doing as well? While I was designing this, John at Foot Locker asked me, do you know anyone else who would want to jump in on this project? And immediately I said, Ron Funches. Fun fact. I had never met Ron before. Oh, really? Maybe an uh, interaction here or two on Twitter because he's a huge wrestling fan or whatnot. But yeah, nothing. But I just I hit him up on DMs on Twitter. I said, hey, I'm working on this project with Foot Locker, blah, 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 autism. Like, if I sent them to you, would you be interested in working on it? I had no idea he was a sneakerhead. And the fact he's able to put his name on a sneaker is amazing. Yeah. And like you said, it's like just it's having those conversations and using that platform. I mean, for us to be able to have a conversation about it here and spread more awareness. Uh, you know, I've seen clips of him talking to James Corden, being on his show, helping to promote it as well. And yeah, I think just having that open dialogue and having that conversation is so important. And yeah, just so that the the cause of it does not get lost in the background of just like, I need this shoe because so-and-so's name's on it. Or I just like the way that it looks. It's like really looking at the details and the intricacies of what you've put into it. I mean, you obviously put so much thought behind it. It's, it's really, really cool. Speaking of like, one of the things is on the Diodora logo, I use the 3M reflective. To me, that kind of represents like we need to be seen. What would you say is um, the biggest misconception about autism? The biggest misconception is it's something that's visible. Like that you can look at someone and say, oh, he's autistic. Oh, he's autistic. She's autistic. Like it's not, it's not like that. It's some people are walking around today. They don't, they don't even know if they're, that they're autistic. Cause there's a different, different points on the spectrum with it as well. Right. Exactly. And like, you know, I think the more knowledge we get about it, the more we can recognize it and be open to how that affects our world, how we can help, you know, make it something that's more normalized so that we don't look at it with a little bit of a, you know, hesitation or anything like that. We just, okay. Like this person's autistic. It's still a person. It's still a loving, great person that like is part of our world that we should embrace. Absolutely. I always remember um, early on meeting Mercedes, your wife, Sasha Banks, for people that don't know that yet. But I remember talking to her early on. I don't know how we even got in the conversation. I don't know if it was like 
just talking about our relationships or what, talking about like how John and I got together, talking about how you guys got together and her saying like, yeah, one of the big thing was the relationship that you developed with her brother very early on and how important that was to her as well. I mean, how long have you guys been together now? Uh, I think we started dating in 2011 and we got engaged 2012, just a little bef- before she got signed and we moved to Florida. But um, yeah, I remember when we first started dating, like we would just go to the movies, hang out and stuff like that. I remember one time she was actually at work and I offered to take Joshua to the movies and we went, we watched Pirates of the Caribbean. It was awesome. And like just hanging out with him, just seeing his joy. What, he loves movies so much. Like that's his thing. Like when we, I used to go over and he would make me watch Terminator 3 like all day long. But yeah, he's just, just developing, like just seeing his personality and just seeing the genuine happiness in his face, seeing how that happiness brought a smile to Mercedes' face. It was a no-brainer to want to make that connection and build that relationship because they're just good people. And I'm all about, I'm all about connecting with good people. The next time you're watching basketball, I've got the perfect way for you to get in on the action for free. I'm talking about NBA in play. It's absolutely free to play on the FanDuel app and features all the fun of live betting. NBA in play turns every quarter of every game into a free contest where you can win real cash prizes. So while you're watching the game, all you have to do is predict the outcome of plays and game props before they happen to claim your share of the prize pool. Best of all, a new contest starts every quarter of every game, giving you even more ways to win. FanDuel is the exclusive home for NBA in-play, so the action's always available right at your fingertips on the FanDuel app. The app is so easy to use, and it takes less than two minutes to sign up. And it doesn't matter where you live or where you're traveling to because NBA in-play is available in every state. Don't miss your shot. Get in the game and download the FanDuel app to start playing NBA in-play today. One of my favorite things that I loved doing, um, shooting the shit with you backstage in WWE was talking fashion. Cause I mean, you are, you're a go-to, you are, you're the, you're the force. So I will tell you, I've, and I've said this multiple times and me and Mercedes have had conversations about this and we, we would always talk about who has the best fashion sense backstage. And I kid you not every single time, Renee, uh, number one, come on. Number one was Renee. Number two, I thought was between Mercedes and Brie Bella. To me, those are my top three as far as like fashion sense. But to you, like you have such a unique fashion sense. I remember I was walking with Dustin one day and I just, I saw some girl walking. I'm like, that looks like Renee. Oh, that's a Renee outfit. <laughs> like I see stuff. And it's, to me, that's what fashion is about. It isn't about following trends. It isn't about wearing what everyone else is wearing. It's, you know, having a sense of fashion that's unique to yourself so that when other people see certain things, they're like, that reminds them of you. That's what fashion is. Like I'll put on a jacket that was, you know, trendy 10 years ago. I don't care if I like it. I like it. Hell Yeah. And like, there's certain things that just like, don't go to fashion or there's certain things that you keep. And it's funny because I feel like I think about that a lot now as I like skim through my wardrobe. And I mean, shit right now, I'm just in my workout clothes and that's sort of what the standard has been lately. And I really, I miss putting on a great outfit because I mean, fashion just, it changes, it changes your mood. It changes your day. It changes like the bounce in your step. Going out to dinner at night is awesome. Mm-hmm. But if you get to, you know, put on a suit, 
dress up real nice and go out to dinner. Like it, it feels like an event. Yes. It makes you feel like you're doing something special. Like for me, I'm, I'm pretty much a t-shirt and jeans kind of guy or t-shirt and uh, joggers, some workout clothes. That's my thing. I like comfortability. But you're a big shoe guy too, because you, you make sure that you always have something that's going to pop out. And usually you let the shoe kind of do the speaking when we're looking at the whole outfit. So it's not just a jean and t-shirt. It's jean and t-shirt to bring the focus to where it needs to be. To me, it's either like the shoe or the t-shirt. Cause I, I have like just a whole gang of like graphic t-shirts, like the one I'm wearing right now. Uh, I don't know if you can see, this is uh, oh, yeah. Bruce Leroy from the last dragon, you know, King of Harlem, <laughs> little things like that. Like some people will see it and they're like, Oh, they think it's like a roots of fight shirt. They're like, Oh no, no, that's the last dragon. That's Bruce Leroy. Okay. I get that. So like whenever I see Kofi backstage, like I'm looking at his t-shirt and his sneakers, he's looking at my t-shirt and like it's unconscious, like connection. Like, okay, I see you. I see you. You put some thought into this. To me, that's the thing about fashion. It says something about your personality. It doesn't matter if no one likes your outfit. If you like it and you can rock it, go for it. Generally, I'm just like a jeans and t-shirt kind of person too, but it's got to be like the right one. I've seen you before. You had on like a pair of like, it was either brown or green, like cargo pants that you cropped up with the roll and you had like combat boots on. I was like, you didn't just put on a pair of pants. You know, you, you rolled the ankles up. It went so well. And it just inherently said Renee. Oh, my glory days. I miss those days. I need to, I'm going to put on a good outfit later to you've inspired me. What's been your like maternity outfits? Before getting pregnant, I was always like, I'm going to crush maternity fashion. I'm going to make it my bitch. And then we're in this COVID world. I'm like, well, there's no real, we're not really going anywhere. We're not really doing anything. But I did just get some really great stuff from Show Me Your Moo Moo. They're a company, I believe, based out of California. They just do really like beautiful, fun dresses. They have like pregnancy bell bottoms, some pregnancy jeans. So it has like a little bit of like a boho flair to it. I mean, things generally need to be a little loose and flowy these days. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it really, it's finding like the right, joggers and sweats that that fit the bill. I've always been like an Aviator Nation person, even though they're stupidly priced and I should not buy them because buying expensive sweats is very dumb. But every now and then I get lured in. Actually, after I found out I was pregnant, I was like, I think I deserve these. <laughs> John's like, like, whatever. Like Mercedes one day, like I'm, I don't really care much for Lululemon. I don't, it's, it's whatever to me. But like, one day she was like, I want to buy you some Lululemon pants. So we went in there and she bought me some Lululemon. Uh, like I want to say they were like kind of like dress pants that were a little more athletic. Graves and Mansory wear those all the time. Yeah. And I put them on. And I'm just like, these things are pretty damn good. Like they're really nice. And then I walked backstage and uh, Jim security was just like, oh, I like those Lululemons. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Like, so it's funny because I feel like women like to buy their men Lululemon because we know that we know the durability of it as well. That shit lasts forever. The quality is good. They don't stretch out on you. Like you are, you're buying a quality product. Shout out to Canada, by the way. Like a quality product is great. Like for me, it's jeans. If I can find a really good pair of jeans, then like I'm all in. Like, so one of my, when we were traveling, one of my rituals was whenever we went over to the UK, I always bought a pair of jeans because in the UK, they're not afraid to put a little spandex in their denim. Hell yes. Get those beefy thighs in some jeans and let's live the day. I'd put on the skinny jeans over there, little super stretch ones. And like, they're so comfortable. And then I'd come to the US and a lot of places you put them in. I'm like, it's, it's like, you know, putting on sandpaper. Well, I wish that I knew that in advance because um, trying to find jeans for your husband that wrestles in jeans 
has been a journey. I mean, he doesn't, I mean, he does still wrestle in jeans. He, he mixes it up a little bit. He's still not in like actual stretchy material though, but I wish I knew to order from the UK that would have saved years and years. I should have talked to you about this. A lot of the wrestlers, just because they have, you know, they have the thicker thighs and all stuff. I know a lot of them wear like barbell jeans. Yeah, I can't remember if it was Seamus or Matt Hardy. Some One of those guys had sent some over to John to check those ones out. I remember trying to point Brody in that direction when he, we were always working on his, you know, making his stuff look destroyed, but not destroyed. I, I'm sewing patches into his jeans all the time. <laughs> some stretchy jeans. Okay, so what all went into putting together somebody like Brody Lee's gear? Because, yeah, I mean, it's, it looks like... It's just thrown on or he wore it to the gym and sweating it a bunch and then rolls out. But it's not that. So especially with his tank tops, he was super particular about them. Like if he got one dirty to the point that he loved it, I would be fixing it every week. Like cause, you know, <laughs> it would get torn in the ring. And he'd be like, yeah, you know, Amanda was, she got this one nice and dirty for me. She rubbed it in oil and did all these different things. It's a nice color, like brown and stuff of like that. So I would just keep repairing it and repairing it. And I'm like, all right, this one's all stretched out. So we got to try to get her to do another one. There was one WrestleMania where he had brand new jeans. He goes, I, I, these are the only jeans I have for tonight. We got to do something. So I grabbed his jeans. I grabbed a, uh, a cheese grater and just started going to town with the cheese grater on his pants and just trying to make him look as distressed as possible, even though they were literally like, we just pulled the tag off. That was just before he decided to smash my husband's head open. Yeah, I remember that. I remember <laughs> jumping up in the back like, oh. oh my God. Yeah. Those like stitches. I was like, oh my God, this bump, what's happening? I mean, they, you know, they made the most of their situation. That's for sure. Um, what other gear do you love to work on? I mean, you do gear for the biggest stars in WWE, of course, for your wife, Sasha Banks, Brody Lee, like you just said. Uh, you did Ronda Rousey's gear. You work on Seth Rollins gear. You are the go-to guy. What is like your process? How collaborative are you working with other people and all that? So for a lot of people, like some people will come to me with an idea. Some people will come to me and say, hey, just do your thing. And it, each one has its own challenges. Sasha, sometimes she just, she has a color that she wants to use. And then I go in there and I'll, you know, change up, you know, the design a little bit. I'll find the complementary colors to go with it. The way I would treat her gear a lot of times is like Jordan releases. So, you know, like the Jordan 12 comes out and then throughout the year, you're going to see different colorways drop in that same thing. And then next year, the Jordan 13 comes out. So that's how I would treat her. Oh, I like, like that. Yeah, we would keep like the same design like throughout the year and just do different colorways. And then probably like around Mania or right after Mania, we'll change up the design. Do you guys butt heads? It's got to be hard working with your wife trying to come up with a plan. She's a very visual person. Like she, like she needs to be shown and stuff like that. Where me, I can look at two pieces of fabric. I'm like, okay, I know exactly how this is going to go. Like, I don't need anything else. I can look at an empty space and be like, all right, chair is going to go there. That's going to go there. It's going to be good. But she's just a very like visual person. So she needs to see something that's going to show her what it might look like. That sounds like you have to redo a lot of things. That seems like a lot of work of like, here's what I've done. And then if she wants to scrap it. You would think that would happen more, but nine out of 10 times we're usually right on the same page where I get done. And she's like, oh, this is awesome. This looks great. There was one time where I got reamed out by her. <laughs> to this day, it's one of my favorite sets, but she hates it so much. Which one is it? Navy green and yellow set that she wore for money in the bank. The money in the bank that uh, Ember did the crossbody and she took the, the bump on the ladder. So what happened was she really wanted to do something royal for that one. And so we ordered this fabric and got it all set. And all of a sudden the fabric came in and it just did not look like the way we needed it to. 
So I had like a week left. I'm like, I just got to go with what I have on my shelves. So I just pulled from my par and started putting something together. And I love it because it looks so good on her skin tone and it pops so well, but it just, it wasn't what she wanted. And I heard about it for a long time. And if you notice, she's never worn it again. What was the inspo behind um, her WrestleMania gear this year? Because dare I say, it's my favorite Sasha Banks gear. So the inspiration behind it was, uh, there's this designer out there. His name is Zygman. If you, if you look at his stuff and then you look at it, you'd see the, the inspiration, but she's been enamored with his stuff for so long. I know he's done stuff for like Cardi B and Nicki Minaj and all this stuff. So like, she really wanted to go in that direction. So I was like, all right, let's do that. That way we use a, had a lot of those crisscrossing straps in there. I wanted to do something that was just completely different than what she normally had so that it took everybody by surprise. And like everybody nowadays, not nowadays, but lately has been doing the, uh, the lacing going up the kick pad. So like I wanted to do that in a way that wasn't like everyone else. So I did that, but I also had the crystals going down the middle and uh, I had her name plate on the side, just changing it up a little bit. I just, I literally wanted to be like, that's not what she usually wears. No, I mean, you guys hit that on the head. Cause I was like, oh girl, what is happening here? It was amazing. And that- it was hard though. Putting all those grommets in one at a time, you put it together, but I can't put the grommets on until I do the crystalline and I can't do the crystalline until I get this on. And I got, it's a process. Oral Sessions is proud to be presented by FanDuel. You guys never played FanDuel Fantasy before? Great. FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Uh, Why do I play FanDuel? I play FanDuel because I'm new to the fantasy game. I kind of need somebody to hold my hand through the whole process. And the thing with the FanDuel Fantasy app is that it's so incredibly easy to use. Even a dum-dum like me can make it work. And if you happen to be a fence sitter like yours truly, you guys can pick a new team every single game. You can switch it up. You can change your mind. It's all up to you. Ball is in your court. So FanDuel is offering new users a deposit match of up to 500 smackaroos when you make your first deposit. Just go to FanDuel.com slash cowherd for more info. FanDuel.com slash cowherd. FanDuel, more ways to win. What does mania season look like for you? How many people's gear are you doing? How far out in advance do you start prepping for all of that? I try to start prepping right after Royal Rumble. I start getting everyone's orders. I start ordering fabrics and all that stuff. But at the same time, we still have pay-per-views in between. So like as I'm prepping for everyone's gear, I'm still making gear for these other pay-per-views coming up and things like that. So probably like end of February, beginning of March is where it starts dialing in and starts like I'm going in all day long all night long, most nights to get stuff done. How many people are you usually working with? Sometimes I'll have like six or eight people that I normally do. And then all of a sudden they'll be like, hey, Triple H has a has a match this year. So I got to do something for Triple H. Or I remember one year when it was Hunter and Steph versus Rhonda and Kurt, I did the bodysuit for Steph. And she had this really cool idea of using the same fabric as Hunter. So I was like, okay, that'd be awesome. So I, we made the bodysuit, we put it on, but like with Hunter, we use a very thick fabric. So when we put it on her, it just kind of flattened her out and squeezed her in. She's like, what are we going to do? And I said, let's scrap this. This is literally raw right before mania. I'm like, let's scrap this. I'm going to take your measurements right now. And then when we get to, when I get to New Orleans, I'm hitting up whatever stores I can find and we're going to figure it out. And we made it work. What does gear normally cost? What is like an average price? It's hard to go by average because it all, it depends on style of gear, if you're getting crystals on there, 
I don't really like using like the vinyl press. I like doing everything by hand. So everything's hand cut, hand sewed. So like something like Sasha's is going to be on the higher end. Most people don't want to spend as much as something a Sasha would cost. Fair enough. All right. The bar has been set and it moves down from there. I got it. Fair enough. So when people say, you know, oh, you don't make other people's gear as nice as Sasha's. Well, at the end of the day, money talks. If you want to pay me for something that elaborate, we can do something that elaborate. Most people don't want to pay for something elaborate. And then it comes to time. I'm literally working 24 seven all the time. Like I just don't have time to do a lot of people. Oh my God. There'd be times that I'm like, oh my God, Sorak, can you put a stitch in this? Or like, can you help me with this patch? I need sewn onto something. But I know that you're like literally up to your eyeballs and stuff that's actually important. But I'm like, can you please just help me? Um, which I bought my own sewing machine. So booyaka. Which was awesome. I got to give you like a little, a couple of pointers. Like that machine is near and dear to my heart because when, when we first moved to Florida and I didn't have a job and, you know, I just started making Mercedes gear. I went and bought that machine and that's the same exact machine I used until I started on the road. Even maybe for the first couple of months I was on the road with WWE. And then eventually I ended up splurging and buying one of the more elaborate machines that we have backstage and I have one at home. But yeah, that machine, like, I mean, if you take your time with it, you can make some really good stuff. When I started training to be a wrestler, I was just beginning my senior year in high school. So I took a sewing class because the Hardy boys used to make their own gear. So if they could do it, I could do it. Yeah. And I mean, that makes sense. It's funny. That's what I was just going to ask you is like, how do you get into that? But yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense. You were out already training as a wrestler. So if you can make your own gear, you're already that much further ahead of just like presentation wise of what you need to bring to the table. Yeah. So like I used to watch their, uh, their videotape all the time, the leap of faith, uh, home video that they had. And they would show Matt making, you know, all their gear for like Surge and Willow the Wisp and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, like they can do it. Like, let me take class. I can learn to do it. The sewing class pretty much taught me how to use a machine. And then it was just trial and error, just buying fabric and figuring it out on my own. And then once I would learn to make something, I'd like tell guys like, hey, I know how to make this. Whose gear do you want to do? Who's someone that you would love to work with that you've not been able to yet? So I've done gear for Stephanie, Hunter, and Shane. Oh shit. So you need to do a Vinnie Mac suit. Something <laughs> that's on that bucket list. What do you have for plaid swatches? Whatever I don't use on Ruby. <laughs> yeah, fair. What would you put Vince in? Like you can't put Vince in anything crazy. There's the, the black tank top and the black jeans. That's, that's his look. So what we do is just, we fashion that same look out of stuff. That's going to be more durable stretchy denim, uh, a more durable uh, cotton or spandex to use for this tank top. You don't want to diverge from his look. You just want to make it in a way that's like, makes it more comfortable for him to be in the ring. Get those VKM traps out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like just do little, <laughs> little, the little beach uh, straps. Yeah. <laughs> the muscle guys got. Yeah. Yes. I would love to make him a muscle tank. That'd be awesome. It would be amazing. I mean, even if he wears it to the gym when he goes at three o'clock in the morning, I mean, Putting some kind of an outfit on Vince would be amazing. I mean, he is known for his very elaborate, colorful, over-the-top suits as well. I remember he was showing up uh, to work a couple of times. He had on like fitted suits with like, you know, with like, like tailored or tapered pants. I was looking, I was like, wow, like Vince's like suit is dope. If you're making everyone, I shouldn't say making everyone, but I mean, it is a general rule of thumb of like, wear something nice to TV, especially producers, all that. And if you were going to set the bar, you've got to show up. You're not getting a two for one deal. If you're Vince McMahon, you're going out and you're getting that custom deal done up. Um, Okay. So my question for you, 
to be on the reverse of what I have been through. What is it like being married to a female wrestler with a fan base like one of Sasha Banks? Scary at times. It's scary because a lot of those things you you have to understand that they come with the territory. The amount of people that hit me up online, just talking trash. You don't deserve her. You're ugly. It's dust off my shoulder. I honestly could care less. If I see something creative and like a really creative insult, I'll, I'll clap at that. I had had someone tell me that my head was too big or my head was too large for my body. And <laughs> I just started laughing. I was like, that's actually a really creative insult. When it, when it comes to like, you know, Mercedes, like in ring, like it can be scary at times because like that girl is just so passionate about what she does. She takes it so seriously. And like, she wants to be the best match of the night, every single night. And I can respect that because I was a wrestler too. It's scary watching it, but I understand that mentality. And I just, some, you, you, sometimes you can't handcuff someone. You have to let her do her and be her. Otherwise, she's not going to be happy with what she's in. If she's not happy with it, that's when things can get scary. And that's where injuries can happen. So sometimes you just got to put faith in that person and trust them. You know those hot takes you post on social media? Well, now you can win up to $5,000 when you put those takes to the test on FanDuel. It's a new game called Over Under, and it's absolutely free to play on FanDuel. So here's how it works. FanDuel will set lines on things like total points or three-pointers made during every NBA on TNT broadcast. All you have to do is pick over or under for every prop. Your picks could win you a share of $5,000 during every contest. FanDuel is the exclusive home for Over Under, and it's available in all 50 states. You can play from anywhere. All you have to do is go to FanDuel.com slash Over Under and sign up now. If you've not done so already, please just do it. You're going to love it. Just create a new FanDuel account. If you don't already have one, it takes less than two minutes to sign up. Then you put your takes to the test during every NBA on TNT broadcast at FanDuel.com slash over under. They could be worth up to 5,000 bucks. Do it. Age and location restrictions apply. See FanDuel.com for terms and conditions. Didn't Connor from the Ascension marry you guys? Yes. So (laughs) how did that happen? So we got engaged in 2012 and like, again, with our business, things just keep changing. So we never set a, set a date or anything like that. And we finally bought our house. We're like, screw it. Let's, let's have our wedding in the backyard. And then I was talking to Connor and he said he had just gotten, you know, uh, ordained. And then when I found out, I was like, dude, can you, can you do our wedding? And he was like, you, you'll be my first one. I was like, I'd be honored. I think it's hilarious because when I look at our wedding certificate, like he's the efficient, Brody's the witness. I have videos of like Amanda just chugging sangria. That's awesome. It was a great night. And you also made Mercedes wedding dress, didn't you? That's the one and only wedding dress I will ever make. (laughs) Was that a painstaking process? So I'd never made a dress before. So it was literally like, I can do this. And it was just me trial and error figuring out. Like I bought the fabric and I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make my wife look like an amazing, an amazing bride. I just went to work and I just, I just figured it out as I, as I went. And it was, it was hard, but it was one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. Maybe that should be, wait, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say that should be the new wedding tradition. Cause it's like, don't, you're not supposed to see your wife before you're not supposed to see the dress. You made the damn dress. But I was like, if I told John to make my dress, I'd be literally walking out in a toilet paper dress. Well, that's the thing. Like, you know, uh, I know everybody, a lot of people were saying like, oh, but you know, you're not supposed to see the person in the dress. We're like, yeah, we're not traditional. 
we didn't even have bridesmaids and groomsmen. Like I had my best friend, Chris there. He was my best man. But other than that, like Mercedes's brother walked her down, like, no, we're just not traditional. So when the idea of me making her wedding dress came up, we were just like, yeah, hell yeah. That's, that's perfect. Let's go for it. I love that. Okay. One thing that I would like to close out with here, um, because you are the ramen king. What is the secret to making the best ramen broth? Time. I'm one of those people who I want it now. And like (laughs) with ramen broth, like you gotta, you know, I put it into, I grab my pressure cooker or my slow cooker and I set it and it's like a 24 hour broth, 48 hour broth, just letting, giving the ingredients time to, to meld together and just become something great. Like if you take it off after two hours, it's going to taste okay. But I mean, if you take it off after 20 hours, then you're going to give all the collagen and all the flavor time to seep out of the bones and just blend together. What do you use for your base? The first time I did one, I used uh, pork bones, chicken bones, oxtail, beef bones. What I like about talking to you about food too, is you're very much like snout to tail kind of guy. You use all those bits, get all that good flavor, especially when you're talking about a broth. Like, you know, we're getting the good stuff for that. Although now I think I might eliminate the, uh, the beef bones and put more pork bones in there because I think it gave it too much of a beefy flavor the last time I did it. So I, I want to really try to make a scamin broth, which is thicker. And like, I've just been watching videos about scamin and really, cause I love dipping noodles. And whenever we're in LA, I just stop at places and get dipping noodles. So that's my, my goal is to attempt that. I miss being able to talk to you and Shinsuke and Greg Hamilton. He's, he's big into the cuisine as well, but talking to like you and Shinsuke about making the, the best broth. Cause I've not mastered it, but when I see you guys doing it online, I'm like, shit, they're back at it again. I need to jump in on this. It's literally like, I'll just be sitting at home and be like, no, I'm going to work on my broth this week. And then, uh, you know, that's on like a Tuesday when I get home. So I set it on Tuesday. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to taste this until at least Thursday. I have a notebook where I, you know, I track it all and I make my changes and things like that. And my goal is to have a notebook full of just my own recipes that I can just pass down. Yes, please. That was one thing when I was doing my cookbook, my mom had a bunch of my nanny's recipes. So I actually took some of her stuff and popped them in this book. I modified some stuff, but it was just a a really nice gift to like have those actual, like just her writing and her, I mean, honestly, she left out a lot of measurements which is a little rude to the other generations because then you got to figure it out on your own. But either way, the, the base of it was there, but it is really cool to have like those things passed down through generations. My mom has these really good like Cambodian like recipes, these really nice Cambodian soup bases. And I always tell her like, next time I come home, mom, like, can you teach me how to make this? And then the next thing you know, I get a shipment in the mail and she just has like this freezer bag with like 60 servings of different soup bases. I'm like, mom, this is great, but like, I still don't know how to make this. (laughs) She's robbing you of the recipe. Yeah. She goes, oh yeah, you could just take it and you can just put it on chicken. I'm like, mom, that's not making it. That's actually putting it on the food. I want to know how to make this little base. No, she's holding on to that. She knows it's her power. Her power over you is having the broth. Well, I'm the one son that like, I have two brothers. I'm the one son that actually likes to cook and like takes a lot of, you know, pride in cooking, you know, not being able to have Cambodian food down here in Florida. Anytime I'm back home, I'm like, mom, teach me something so I can make it down there. So I don't have to keep coming back up here to eat this. What is like the base of Cambodian food? Cambodian food is kind of similar to Thai food, but maybe not as seasoned. I don't, they don't have as many ingredients in Cambodia as they do in, in Thailand, but like, it's going to be very similar. Like if you, I mean, every Southeast Asian country has their own version of like pho or like some kind of noodle broth, noodle soup, 
their stir fries will probably use, you know, not as much Thai chilies and things like that. There are some really good, like, um, like home recipes my mom has. Like there's this egg custard thing. I don't know what it's called, but it's like, if you put scrambled eggs into a bowl with water and you put it into a double boiler and you let it steam up. And my mom used to make that, but she would make it with like shrimp paste and garlic and all these things that would make it really salty. And then once we got that, you'd slice up some cucumbers and you'd, you'd actually use it almost like you would use like a cheese spread. Oh, freaking delicious. Healthy too. Yeah. Super healthy. Yeah. I was on Instagram the other day and they have these bowls they are called cook any day bowls. They're like glass bowls that you can actually cover and put in the microwave. And I saw David Chang make something similar in that. So I bought those and I've been making that at home. It's amazing. It's a great, it's a great snack. If you're just trying to be healthy and just you know, send a girl a link. Definitely. I was telling, I, think I was that. telling Brian Kendrick about him the other day. Like, dude, you got to try these bowls. I don't know why I was just telling everyone. About these bowls. <laughs> I it's, I can't I don't feel like I picture Brian Kendrick being much of a whiz. In the I have kitchen, no idea he? why that conversation started. <laughs> literally no yeah. idea. But next thing you know, I'm like, dude, I'll bring a bowl here and you can borrow it and use it and let me know what you think of it. Dude, it's been awesome having you here on the show. I'm so stoked for your sneaker to come out. Give people the info one more time of where they can get it, where they can pick it up, all the good stuff. Okay, so the sneakers are going to be available April 27th on Foot Locker. Dot com, footaction.com and champsports.com. Super limited run. So get them while they're there. Uh, there will be a t-shirt, a matching t-shirt that's uh, going to be available. Uh, Ron Funches's uh, Puma will also be available at a, around the same time. The hope is that if all this works out well, then next year we'll be able to do something even bigger and you'll get the message out even more. Thanks for hanging out, dude. Awesome. I miss you. Me too. I miss you too. Big thank you to Surat for hanging out with me. It's, you know, it's, that's the fun thing about doing the show is getting to see faces that I've not been able to see for a while. Zoom's not all bad. The Zoom life ain't bad. Still get to hang out with people and see what's going on with them. So I feel like I got a little bit of that. Hanging out with Surat during this episode. Um, And yeah, you guys heard him. There's only 200 pairs of this shoe that he has put together. And keep in mind, all the proceeds are going to be donated to autism research and support. There's the shoe. There's the t-shirt. So much thought and effort put into this as he has partnered up with Deodora, Foot Locker, Foot Action, and Champ Sports. The shoe drops April 27th. Don't miss out. It's a great shoe to have. It looks awesome. And I feel like, you know, Surratt's the mastermind behind putting this look together. This man don't mess around. He is the king of putting together some of the best gear in WWE. All right, guys, you know what to do. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Renee Paquette. Check out the Volume Sports. That's their Instagram and Twitter. And we have YouTube. You guys can see all of these interviews. Catch the whole thing. Do I sound like I'm out of breath right now? It's because I am very pregnant and I am. Deep breath, deep breath, serenity now. Who knew that talking, which is what I do for a living, would take it out of me at this point? Thought my endurance would be better. Thought I'd have a little more in the tank, but my tank is being taken over by a human body. Anyways, thanks for hanging out. Make sure to follow Surat. I'm going to put all of his information on the link for this podcast. You guys can check out everything he's doing. Get on the sneaker, get on the t-shirt, help to spread some awareness and acceptance for autism. Guys, this has been Oral Sessions. See you next time.